0: Welcome to Explain to Shane. I'm your host, Shane Tooze at the American Enterprise Institute. On this podcast, I interview tech industry experts to explain how the apps, services, and structures of today's information technology system work and how they shape our social and economic life. Welcome back. Today, we are discussing a very important part of the telecommunications policy planning that is not well understood beyond those who are actually enveloped in the world of the International Telecommunications Union, the United Nations, and a multitude of global conferences on telecom policy that are part of the telecommunications standard process. I have two guests today. Grace Coe, who is most recently the U.S. ambassador to the ITU's World Radio Telecommunications Conference, known as WRC, in this case, WRC 19. Yes, we have an ambassador for communications every four years. It's a great opportunity. It's a really cool title. And yes, I'm a bit jealous. Grace represented the United States this past year in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, where she led a 125 member delegation that successfully negotiated outcomes for US spectrum and satellite policy. Before representing the United States, Grace also served as a special assistant to the president for technology, telecom, and cybersecurity policy. In this role, she advised the president and other White House senior staff on matters pertaining to technology policy. Previous to serving in the administration, Grace served as Deputy Chief Counsel to the Subcommittee on Communications and Technology of the Energy and Commerce Committee in the U.S. House of Representatives, where she advised the chairman on telecom and technology policy as well. My other esteemed guest is Tricia Paoletta. While she may not hold the Senate-confirmed title of ambassador, we all know her as the mistress of spectrum. If you need to know anything about spectrum, Tricia is your go-to source. Tricia is a partner in the law firm of Harris, Wilshire, and Granis, where she specializes in telecommunications and technology policy. Tricia is considered an expert in telecom and trade policy because she has held so many roles in Washington. She's been a senior advisor at the International Bureau of the FCC, director of telecom and trade policy at USTR, working on numerous multilateral and bilateral agreements all around the world. And I met Tricia in her role as the majority counsel of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, where she kind of scared me a little bit, but I'm really glad that I took the time to get to know her. Both of these ladies have worked in many very lucky law firms and corporations as well. You can go look at their bios and be as impressed as I am. We had so much fun recording this Explained to Shane that we've actually broken it into two podcasts, and I hope you take the time to enjoy them both. So Grace, or Madam Ambassador, as some have called you, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tricia, who we may just, I don't know, I'm going to give you a mistress title, like the mistress of the spectrum. Let's. we're going to talk about some things that use a lot of acronyms. So I thought for our listeners who may not be as familiar with some of these things that it'll be easier if we dial into the acronyms here in a second, can we just start with some of the basics? And really, this is like a bingo game. So let's start with the ITU and its three parts, ITUT, ITUD, and ITUR. And Tricia, why don't you lead off and give us a quick breakdown on what these three sectors are and why they matter?
1: All right, the three sectors of the International Telecommunication Union are R for Radio Communications, T for Telecommunication Standardization, and D for Development Sector. So these are three different sectors where, you know, folks around the world, and it is an intergovernmental body, but one in which the private sector is very much engaged, you know, come to discuss those different areas. So R for Spectrum Allocation and Rules Attendant to the use of radio, D for development and how to help countries deploy broadband and other telecom services in their country, and T to standardization discussions. Right, but and these three sectors are part of this 150-year-plus body, the International Telecommunication Union, which actually was was formed before the advent of the United Nations. It was formed out of the conundrum between Germany and France of, gee, how do we regulate telegraph wire? You know, we want to have telegraph messages going cross-border. We need to have a international body talk about this. So, you know, it was founded, whatever, back 150-something years ago. And then when the United Nations came along, the ITU was subsumed within it. So right now it is part of the United Nations, but because it predates it and it's fairly technical, it's it's a bit more specialized than some of your more political, or policy-only UN bodies. And as mistress of the spectrum, where do you spend most of your time? I spend most of my time in the radio communications sector. So it's the R. The R is very important. The R. R is where the cool kids spend their <laughs> time.
0: Good to know. And Madam Ambassador, as we will get familiar and call you Grace from here on out, <laughs> you, what were you the ambassador of? What is this WRC of which we
2: speak? Oh, see, this is, this is squarely in Trisha's world. the World Radio Communication Conference, which happens every four years. It's a conference where the 193 national members get together and update the treaty. Yes, there is a treaty that governs how we avoid interfering with each other's technology because, as we all know, spectrum doesn't respect borders, and how we assign certain frequencies for certain services in order to continue to sort of harmonize that spectrum use. And the countries are all required to abide by it as, you know, as part of the treaty instrument.
0: You just reminded me of a conversation that somebody repeated to me that they had with it happened to be a Canadian and they're usually really good on this stuff, who didn't understand that spectrum didn't just end at the border. So I get your point. Well, that about, was probably not an R person. So. No. So the treaty do we do we get together every four years and just do a checkup on it and plug in new ideas? What goes on there?
2: That would be nice, but then I think a lot of us would be out of work. It's a fascinating process, actually. Every four years, they meet and they set the agenda for the next conference four years later. And then during those four years in between each conference, the ITU hosts study groups, essentially, people who get together and study whether or not the proposed changes are actually feasible, recommendable, really desirable. So this is, in this instance, and just by giving an example here, at Work 19, we studied for four years between work 15 and work 19, the feasibility of putting 5G in millimeter wave spectrum. That took up a lot of time in that four-year study cycle, but obviously, that's not the only thing that's on the agenda. There's other things like how to enable things like mega-constellation and GSOs, Wi-Fi, safety and maritime radars, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's how that works. And each country or region comes in with their own proposals.
0: So interestingly, the ITU, which is currently run by a Chinese national, was the host of the WRC conference late last year. Was that a point of contention at all under 5G, considering the political environment we've been in in this
2: area? Well, the ITU is the body that administers the treaty, really. So it's that, that conference is always going to be hosted and, and run by the ITU. I think there was uh, to some degree, so like uh, there's been a concern I think generally in the government about a Chinese national leading the ITU generally. There's been some question about that. And I think that that's something that the mission to Geneva, our presence there is very keenly aware of and, uh, and uh, keep close close tab on.
0: And our acronym bingo here, so we all know what we're talking about later this year is was it what it called WITSA or WTSA 20, <laughs> the World Telecommunications Standard Assembly. What's this one all about?
2: Oh, gosh, this one's hard. Um, I'm sorry, like so, the other
0: one was easy.
2: <laughs> 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 right? right? No, but th- this is exactly it. I mean, it- it's funny. Christian, let me know if you think I'm wrong, but the are at least has a fairly clear mission, right? It's, you know, harmonizing our use of spectrum. ICUT used to have more of a mission, obviously, when telegraph was more important, et cetera. It's currently, I think, reshaping itself. And so there's quite a bit of scope creep in terms of what it thinks it should sort of regulate, if regulates the right word for an international body. They don't administer a treaty at all in the same way that ICUR does. So their goal here is to come up with standards to work programs to figure out how to better harmonize, I think, telecommunication standards, or here's another acronym for you, so, the, world, the IT world considers its purview ICT, the information and communications technology, so it's more than telecom. Yep. And I think our free market bank in the United States tends to sort of resist the notion that all such technologies need as much regulation. So, you find the ITT looking to regulate things like internet governance issues. Let's which see, is always uh, a bone of
0: contention. I know that we won't get yeah. into the, the super details here, but they're looking at a a new internet protocol process, which we may get right. into on another podcast. That's a long topic. So what what's at right. stake in these? So you're you know you're saying they they like to delve into potentially internet governance. What else are they doing? If they end up having this conference, well,
1: and while Madam Moderator, while Grace considers her answer to that, I, I do want to jump in, and you know, this is where the nationality of the Secretary General of the ITU, the Chinese Secretary General, mm-hmm. does come into play, because he was formerly the Director of the Telecommunications Standards. You know sector, which is the body that is hosting the WtSA or witsa, and this is where you know you, you do have some interplay at least through some u s observer's perspective between his nationality and playing for the home team in Huawei and you know for instance when the you know when Huawei doesn't win and the Industry-driven standards bodies like 3GPP, you know, they often come back for a second bite of the apple at the ITU and have the ITU or, you know, try to have the ITU bless something that Huawei might be throwing into the, you know, 3GPP or other mix that, you know, Nokia or Ericsson or others Bat down, but you know they have a second bite at it and and, as you know grace suggested they've they've been very guilty generally the the it folks generally have a mission creep right, so it's i c t is broad, but you know now they've been getting into artificial intelligence and you know quantum computing and a range of issues and that and they've just created more study groups. So, you know, in, in the R world, you have just five study groups and then you have a number of working parties under each. You know, in the the T world you have twelve different study groups and each with multiple working parties and focus groups. And what all that means is there's so many meetings around the clock, you know, nonstop that everybody else who's not interested in having the ITU regulate telecom or ICT on an international level has has to play whack-a-mole so that's you know that it's and, and to extent it's hard for the United States with our budget you know somewhat drained these days but you know with our budget and our deep technical sector and our you know our deep public private you know history of working together, it's hard for us to stay on top of everything. You can imagine what the rest of the countries, particularly those in the developing world, have been trying to manage 12 different study groups and working parties and whatever. So, at least for the u s perspective and actually our region as well, I think one of our main goals is to try to streamline the existing structure of the it sector from at least from you know the 12 different study groups down to eight study groups, just so it's more manageable as well as to prevent this mission creep and and part of the mission creep is pretty scary stuff, but I, I will leave it at that you know while well, Grace answers be- your original question. But actually, before we get back to the original question,
0: what you bring up a really interesting point, which is the way that the U.S. government and the industry interplay with each other in a more, I'll say, free market because that's my preference way versus these governments that come in very centralized. And before we even get to that, the part of the challenge is, you know, a lot of this stuff takes, a lot of the conversations take place in the hallways. And we know that the people who represent these governments are very smart, well-educated, representative of their governments. And they may agree with you in the hallway, but the challenge is when they get behind the microphone, they're there to represent their country. So to use a colloquialism, they basically show up and then they're very well-educated. Once they put their team jersey on, sometimes they're out there to just score points and you know, get their jersey dirty, dirty. So it's a really interesting dynamic, which is, you know, I'm the one who asks you guys all the time. I'm like, what do you do for three weeks? Because a lot of these conferences are <laughs> three weeks long, and it's like, well, for For the, first, weeks for the work. My, my favorite is, yeah, is my favorite is like you spend a week getting someone nominated for office, which means a lot of parties, and then all the heads of office go home, <laughs> and and then the rest of us like kind of get down to like the end of the dirt, and then the last week is kind of the sweep up of like actually getting things, you know, pen to paper for anything that wasn't defined during week two. I don't know if I probably have that all wrong, but that's what it always sounds like to me, which is just a, you know, it's a fascinating interplay of all these people. But for a second, can we just digress onto how, you know, when we use the interagency process and we also allow the people in the industry to be part of the process, which I think is, I don't know if that's unique, just the United States, but it's a, to me, it seems like the most, reasonable way to make sure that we have a full spectrum of, of experts that can come to one of these events. Do others do that too? They're our European counterparts and the Five Eyes, they bring their industry partners in as well?
2: Yes, absolutely they do. In fact, when you go and visit... So, the, through my travels during you know, attending a variety of the regional conferences, we saw a lot of participation from the private sector all the way throughout, but they don't have the same... Strength, I think, a voice that, as they do, maybe in America and and a couple of other places, but it's quite vocal. Interagency participation also quite vocal, but I think you know it varies depending on the regime, right? I mean, if you have a more centralized and authoritarian regime, it's it's going to there's going to be a clear decision maker. Whereas, I think some place like the United States, you're going to have much more sort of a free flow of ideas until there is some sort of real consensus reached and i you know definitely at the work i think it helped us because we had been through all of the arguments that were going to be raised regardless and we had pretty much had a good sense of where the bottom lines are going to be but it it is a serious process and you take a lot of i think body blows as you're going through getting to that final line
0: Most people do not think of international telecommunications, diplomacy, and body blows in the same sentence. So that will just give us a lot to think about there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we all came through in tech.
0: Good, good. All, All the body parts are still there. Great. Well, why is the international scene
1: so important to tech policy at large?
0: you got trade, you got competition.
1: Well, I'll I'll start and then grace can kick in. I mean, you need economies of scale in this global interconnected world and that that we live in. It's it's no longer sufficient to build a telecommunication switch for one market. Right? It's a very competitive market. You've got major players and all different, up and down the supply chain you know, throughout the world. So the, the way to compete is to have global addressable markets. So, and as Grace earlier said, spectrum doesn't stop at the border. Data flows hopefully don't stop at the border. If they do, it's far more expensive. But so you do need those global economies of scale and you get those by talking to our international partners and international bodies.
2: I just want to point out, I think technology and tech policy to some degree tech trade is becoming more and more weaponized in a way for economic and military aggression and that's becoming more of a concern as we're looking at things like cybersecurity and supply chain so the international scene there also needs to be managed in a way that allows us to get the benefit of international trade and those global markets but at the same time protect any national security interests that we have as well
1: yeah, that's a really good point. yeah those four are also places where we can explain to our partners and our, our allies, you know, why we do have the positions we have, why we hold certain policy positions relative to technology regulation. So it's, you know, it's an educational forum as well.
2: I mean, we conduct tech policy diplomacy in so many different ways. It's not just at the ITU, although that is probably our most, most persistent form of engagement, a form of not ritualized, formal, formal engagement. But that U.S. companies doing business with other companies, There are also other diplomatic efforts working through places like the G7 or the, you know, we just joined the G7 AI.
0: You're going to have to unpack that. What's the G7? For our (laughs) our
2: acronyms sorry, acronym Bingo. Yeah, I think quite honestly, we should probably just touch on these things just because there's just so much there. But the G7 is this international economic organization, and it's supposed to be The largest international monetary fund advanced economies in the world. So that consists right now of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, the US. Sounds like someone's uh, missing. (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple missing, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. but, But that's one sort of place where we can do some cooperation. There are other places as well.
0: Well, and that gets to something I think, Trisha, you, you touched on, which is the you know harmonization and, as Grace, you said, you know, the, the borderless nature of the flow spectrum. So does that get in? I mean, the economy of scale is because just making things for Austria probably wouldn't be cost-efficient, I'm just guessing, <laughs> maybe Liechtenstein. Is this helping with you know getting people to understand that they can get together and, and make things that work across borders and across continents? Is that part of this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So how does the United States seek to influence our international tech policy? Is this our main avenue here or is there a lot going on in this space? It sounds like there's a lot going on.
1: Well, this is yeah, global, right? I mean, the other fora that Grace mentioned, obviously, G7 is the G7. Our trade negotiations, particularly under this administration, are more bilateral or, you know, regional like the USMCA. But, but here at the ITU, it's 193 countries. It's, it's the developing world. It's the developed world. It, so it is a global fora where, you know, everybody's going to come or mostly everybody is going to come and, and exchange views or, you know, develop standards develop consistent harmonization of spectrum allocation. So yes, this is a, a central role for, and you know, again, it has the benefit or, or sometimes disadvantage of being a United Nations body, right? So this is where the world is supposed to come together and work out their issues. and, you know, and then on the T side there' you know the standards right for telecommunications.
0: You just listened to part one of a great dialogue on the international telecom and internet policy with Grace Ko and Trish Payoletta. Please join us for part two, which will air later this week.